Well, good morning, church. Uh, my name is Tyler. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, uh, if you're here, uh, maybe for the first time or for the second time, we're so glad that you're here. As you heard Pastor Josh say, 40 people, 40 people made a first-time decision to say yes to Jesus. That's, that's crazy to me. That's crazy. I read something in a Star Tribune article. It talked about the average church in America sees one salvation a year. One. In the last three months, we've seen almost 70 salvations. God is doing something in this church. Uh, and God is doing something in, in my heart. He's working uh, in my heart because uh, backstage, I was, I was uh, doing a little wrestle work with God because um, I could get up here and I could share a message with you that I have prepared and written down and everything. Uh, and I will, I will. Like, I'm not going to be done here. Uh, but God is, is really pressing on my heart right now saying, you need to be vulnerable. You need to be real. That scares me a little bit. Because I stand up here, and I'm getting ready to give you a message, and I feel inadequate. But I know, and the whole message today is that we are made new. And so we are made new in Christ. We are made new. The new year is coming. The new year is coming. It's tomorrow. Tomorrow is New Year's Eve. And as we think about the new year, as we think about the new year, uh, a lot of times people go to this idea of New Year's resolutions and goals, right? And, and people start to create these ideas of, of things that they're going to do or that they're going to stop doing uh, or things that they want to accomplish. And for me, it's in the past, it's been things like uh, uh, getting healthier or eating better or not drinking pop. Or one time I started writing a book, and uh, if you Google me, there's no book, which tells you how well I did on that New Year's resolution. <laughs> but here's the thing about resolutions. Here's the, the thing about them uh, is that over time, actually, you know what, before we do that, uh, if, if you're looking for a New Year's resolution, I thought I'd create, I, I, what I, I went to a super reliable source called the internet, and uh, I found the top 10 most common uh, practiced New Year's resolutions. They are things like exercise more, lose weight, get organized, learn a new skill or hobby, live life to the fullest, not really sure how you measure that one. I, I don't know. I don't know. But uh, save more money or spend less money, which is usually pretty good. Quit smoking. Spend more time with family and friends. Travel more. And then there was the last one, but I stopped reading. Uh, and so um, if you're looking for New Year's resolutions, uh, there are a couple of them in there that could potentially could work for you. But here's the problem with, with New Year's resolutions. Here's the problem with, with these resolutions. Most people, we start out really strong, Right? That's why uh, uh, like, uh, gyms offer $1 like, fees to start up at, 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 a, at a gym or whatever. And so we start off really strong, and then months come or weeks, and sometimes days go, and we kind of flounder on them. And then there, there's other types of people with New Year's resolutions uh, that take things to a whole nother level. In 2013, there were uh, some Australian, Australians named Alan and Jeanette Murray. And what Alan and Jeanette Murray decided to do as their New Year's resolution was they wanted to run a marathon a day. Yeah, 26.2 miles every single day for 365 days. And actually, just for good measure, they did an extra one. So for 366 days, they ran 26.2 miles. Those are what we call overachievers. And even crazier, here's, here's what's even crazier. They did it on a vegan diet. I'd have been like, after one marathon, I'd be like, give me bacon right now. Just give me bacon. 
on a vegan diet. I actually read an article and it was like talking about all this stuff, how amazed they were they did it on a vegan diet. I'm like, I would have died after one marathon. But, you know, it kind of makes my uh, giving up Dr. Pepper this year uh, pale in comparison to what they're doing. Uh, um, but maybe, maybe you don't, uh, my guess is you probably don't plan on running 26.2 miles every single day. Uh, but whatever your New Year's resolution is, or whatever your goal is, or whatever it might be, here's the reality is most of them, they can make us a little bit better person. They can maybe make us a little bit healthier, or depending on what it is, they can make us smarter, But the thing about New Year's resolutions is they don't have the ability to make us new. To make us new. It doesn't matter how disciplined you are. It doesn't matter how many goals you set, how many self-help books you read. None of these can make you new. But that is the beautiful news of the gospel of Jesus. Is that through Christ, what he did on the cross, we can be made new. New people. Jesus died and he rose again. And when we put our trust in him, it allows us to become a new person. Through his death and resurrection, he provided a way for us to become new people. Not new in the sense of an upgrade like a phone or or, or a computer. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a fundamental change at the core of who we are. A fundamental change at the core of who we are. That's the kind of change, that's the kind of newness that God can do in our lives through Jesus Christ. And so as we start this new year, what if our resolution was to do less, less things, not doing the hundred different things, but what if it was more about lining up our lives with Jesus and what he's doing so and, and allow it to change our lives and not just change our lives, but change the lives of people around us? What if our New Year's resolution was to live the new life that God created us to be? What if it was to live like the new person that God created you to be? If you have your Bibles, open up to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 5. I want to read this passage to you. And this is a passage written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Corinth. And what he was writing uh, to the church in Corinth, he was writing to encourage them uh, and challenge them in their faith as they're walking and talking about this idea of what does it mean to be made new and why is it important in our lives to live this new life? It says this in verse 14. Either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old self. He died for everyone, so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ, who died and was raised for them. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought Christ from merely a, point, a human point of view. How differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and the new life has come. This is a passage to remind us about who we are or who we could be. A passage to let us know that in Christ we are new creations, that we can be new people. Paul is saying the old life is gone and the new life has come. It's a great passage to remind us of that. And so today I want to give us three ways, three ways that I see this being made new play out in our lives. And so if you're a note taker, you can take these down. We'll give it to you. Three ways that we see this idea of being made new play out in our lives. And the first one is this, is you become a new person. You become a new person. That's what we've been talking about, being made new. 
It's exactly what verse 17 says. Anyone who belongs to Christ is a new person. This means that there is a fundamental change at the identity of who you are. I'm not talking physical, sorry. Like, it's not going to be like, mm, abs, right? No, like, but it's, it's, an, it's a change at the core of who we are. And this is a change that I have experienced in my life. Uh, many of you know, and, and my parents go to church here, you, you know I grew up in a great Christian home, but I didn't accept Christ until I was almost a freshman in high school. Now, some of people might be go, well, what do you mean? Because I was the good Christian kid, or at least it seemed like it was. I was the kid that I knew all the Awana verses, I was in confirmation, and I got confirmed, and I could say all the right things, but I didn't have a relationship with Jesus, and it largely stemmed, actually pretty much mostly stemmed, out of a sin in my life that I was dealing with. When I was in sixth grade, I was exposed to pornography. Sixth grade, like many, many people today dealing with this this, this problem of pornography. And in sixth grade, I was introduced to this, and it sent me onto this spiral in my life that most people didn't even realize that I was dealing with because the reality is, is we hide things like that. We hide things because I didn't want people to think I was the bad kid. I didn't want to embarrass my parents. I didn't want people to think that I was this, this, this nasty pervert or, or anything like that. And so I stuffed it. I shoved it in, and I, I, I didn't deal with it. And what happened is I became, began to become angry. And I was angry because I couldn't deal with this sin in my life. There was something, it was eating away at me, and it was, it was how I began to identify myself as an angry, perverted porn addict. And I began to hate who I had become. I thought, this is my identity, this is who I am. And I began to hate who I had become. On the outside, I looked happy. I was the joke teller. I was the kid who everybody was like, hey, he's funny. Let's be around him. Yeah. I, w- I, was, I was that kid that everybody looked at and were like, oh, he, he's got it all together. But inside, I was broken and I was dying because I couldn't deal with this sin in my life. And I didn't, have, I didn't feel like I wanted to tell anyone. I couldn't tell anyone because I didn't want to let people down. I didn't want to embarrass people. And so I shoved it in and I became more angry and more bitter. And it came to a point in between my 8th grade and ninth grade year where I was angry at God. I knew God was around, but I, think God, I didn't think God wanted anything to do with me. Because why would he want anything to do with an angry, addicted pervert? That's how I felt. That, that was my identity. That's who I was. And so I made a plan. I don't, I don't know that my parents have ever heard this. I made a plan to end my life. And then God began to work in me and say, give me, give me a chance. And I said, okay, God, if you're real, you've got to show up. You've got to show me. You've got you to communicate with me that you love me, that you know me. And so I went to this, this conference in Burnsville, and the pastor got up, and one of the things, the first thing the pastor said is, God knows you, and he loves you. And I was it. I was done. I was like, I'm in. God, I give everything to you. I can't do this anymore. I need you and only you. And what happened was God began to work in my life and he created in me a new person. The old was gone and the new had come. God had taken something broken, something dirty, something not that I didn't want. He took it away and he gave me something new. He didn't upgrade me. He made me new. Made me new. When a person puts their trust into Jesus and begins to follow him, they become a new person. It's a change that starts on the inside and works its way outside. Is it immediate? No. No, I still struggle. 
But I began to believe the truth that I was a new person, that that identity, that, that, that person that was before, that was not me, that I am a new person today. And for us today, I think we need to be reminded of something. We need to be mind, reminded of this truth. We have forgotten who we are. And the danger of forgetting who we are means that we start to live like someone we're not. Let me say that again. The danger of forgetting who we are means we start to live like someone we're not because when we're in Christ Jesus, we are a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. Listen to what Paul says in Colossians 3. Colossians 3, 9. Don't lie to each other. For you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator, to know God, as you learn to know God and become like him. This is saying that the reason that we shouldn't lie is not because we might get caught. It's saying the reason we shouldn't lie is because that's not who we are in Christ. That's not who we are anymore. That's not our identity. It's not who we are. The old is gone and the new has come. For some of us, we need to hear this today because we bought into the lie that when we go to Jesus that nothing really has ever changed that we're still worthless, that we're still helpless, that we're still broken. But what God is saying is that anyone who is in Christ, he is a new creation. We've bought into the lie, then we believe that we're bound by our past mistakes and our present addictions. But Jesus is saying, I have come to make you new. Listen, okay, hear me when I say this. I'm not saying that my life is perfect and that I have everything figured out. Right? I'm still learning. I'm still on a journey, learning what it means to walk with Jesus. And I believe that every person is on a journey, learning what it means to walk with Jesus. But sometimes we get this idea in our head that when I mess up once or when I just do something wrong, that it's game over. Like a New Year's resolution. Like you're going to go to the gym every single day and then you wake up one day, it's negative 15 degrees and you're like, forget that. Or you're like, I'm going to eat better in my life. And then you go through the McDonald's drive through and you're like, well, I had one fry, I guess I'll have a thousand. This idea that we just like, we just like, well, we might as well give up because we, 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 we already screwed up. That we just believe that we're a screw up. But the truth that we need to hear today is that Jesus died so that we could be made new. It says in Romans 8 that we are no longer condemned. Romans 8, 1 and 2. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. In Christ, in Jesus, when you have a relationship with Jesus, you are no longer that old person. You have been made new and you have been freed from the power of sin. That sin is not who you are anymore. You are no longer a liar, a cheater, a victim. You are no longer, I am no longer an angry porn addict. I am a most redeemed, loved child of God. And Satan wants you to believe that you're not. He attacks our mind. That's all he has. He has his voice. He can convince us. He can try to lie to us. And all we can do is say, no, 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 no. God says that I am his, that I am new, that I am a child of God. And listen to me. If you're sitting in here and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, it's simple. It's simple. Saying, I want to be made new. Jesus, I need you. I'm sick of the way that I've been living before. And so we are new people. So even when we mess up, we can run to Jesus. And he reminds us of who we already are. A child of God. Loved by him. Forgiven and set free. We are new people in Christ. I have a new identity. 
I have a new identity. The second one is this, as we begin to develop a new perspective, a new perspective in life. In addition to becoming a new person, we also begin to develop a new perspective. Look uh, back at verse 16 in the main passage. Paul said that we had stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. Another way to say this is Paul is saying his perspective has changed. He stopped seeing people from the ethical uh, or, or the ethnic position. He didn't see people as Jew and Gentile, but just simply people as people with a relationship with God. He stopped evaluating people from a human point of view. Instead of thinking of them as just Jew or Gentile, it's about a relationship with God. The same thing happens when we are made new. We begin to see things from a different perspective. We begin to see things differently when we are made new by Christ. We no longer see them as we did before. And so over time, this change, it begins to affect our relationships. How we interact in our relationships. As we are made new every single day by Christ, that change from the inside out changes our relationships. It changes our value system. It changes our morals. It changes the way we spend our time or the way we spend our money. We begin to see life through a new lens, from a different perspective. I want to show you a video of someone that sees something through a new lens. This is a video of a guy who's colorblind, and he gets these glasses that allow him to see color. So check out this video. Wow. Dad, just me look he looks like a robot. Can you, can you see colors now? Oh, yeah. Can you see colors now? That's why I'm Yeah, this is a... Look at their hair. That's red. <laughs> That's someone who's seen a new perspective. A dad who's never seen his child's really red hair before. That's what God wants to do in our life. When he makes us new, he puts on these new lenses so we begin to see things through his eyes. And so when we see people, we see people differently. And it's a beautiful, wonderful thing that begins to change our lives. And it's a process. As we gain new perspective, it's a process that we go through. And that process is greatly impacted by the amount of time we spend with God. And that process is greatly impacted by the time we spend with other believers. And so as we surround ourselves with other people that have been made new, that are, are, are seeing things from a different perspective and encouraging one another to grow in that way, we begin to grow in that way. God has begun to, begins to change your perspective and align it with his. But hear me when I say this. And this is my second time preaching up here, and so I, I feel like I can take a little risk here. A danger that we have as Christians in America and in, in church, and I say church as a whole, is a lot of times we expect people to have the same exact perspective as us, even though they're in a different place in their journey. And that's super dangerous. 
Because everybody is on a journey. Everybody is, is, is learning what it means to follow Jesus. And sometimes one of the greatest deterrents that from people, that deter people away from the church and away from God is us expecting people to have the exact same perspective as us immediately. And I pray, and it's my hope, that we are a church that allows people to come in here and find God and go at the pace that they need to go. And that we come alongside them and that we love them. Pastor Brent says it all the time. He says, come into this church and see if God doesn't change you. But a lot of times, church becomes this idea of you have to change before you can come in here. And if that were the case, oh man, we'd all be, I can't say that. We'd all be messed up. This isn't youth group. I, I, we would all be in trouble. And so church, come on, let's be a church that says, come in here and see if God doesn't change you. Come in and meet this God who changes people's lives. He makes people new. He transforms lives. Just last week, he transformed, transformed 40 lives. But if we expect those 40 lives to look like Pastor Brent this week, what are we doing? Especially because Pastor Brent, like we, I mean, Billy Graham or something like, right? <laughs> I hope he's watching online. Like, let's walk alongside people and say, God is working in you. Keep going. Keep going. We can change our perspective. That perspective isn't just in our own lives and what God is doing, but how we see other believers as well. And so church, come on. Let's not be one of those churches that people come into and go, I can't, I can't do that. Because the reality is, is none of us can do it. But yet we put on this mask to try and make it seem like we have everything figured out. It's okay to be messed up. Because we have a God who loves us and wants to continue every day as we fall in love with him to change us and make us new. Amen? Number three. Number three, you have been given a new purpose. God has made you new person. He's given you new perspectives. And now God has given us that are in Christ a new purpose. Look back at verse 15. It says that Jesus died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ. This is our new mission. It's no longer about us and our needs. We have a new purpose in life to live to make Jesus known. To live to make Jesus known. We say it this way as the mission of our church, to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus. One of the things that I do as a youth pastor is I try to keep up with youth culture, which if you ever look at my Spotify account, they probably don't know if I'm a 50-year-old like heavy metal rocker or if I am a 13-year-old girl. I don't know. Uh, because I try to keep up with youth culture and what kids are listening to, and, and so I know kind of the things that, that they're going through, right? And I don't know if you uh, have been following lately the story of Justin Bieber, okay? Uh, and on the off chance that you don't know who Justin Bieber is, uh, he's a pop star, a huge pop star that has uh, a ton of different hits. Uh, as a matter of fact, I think uh, Pastor Brent actually has all of his albums, and a lot of times we have to uh, ask Pastor Brent to turn it down in the office because he just loves, okay, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. But Justin Bieber, over the last few years, has kind of developed this bad boy image. He has gotten in trouble. He's had some DUIs. He's been in fights with paparazzi. I think he's still actually banned from the country of Argentina. 
because of decisions and choices that he has made in his life. But recently, God has begun to do a work in Justin Bieber's life. And Justin uh, recommitted his life to Jesus. Uh, and he's not perfect, but he's uh, embracing this idea that he is a new person with new perspectives. And, and he's using his influence to live out his new purpose. And uh, I, I want to show you, uh, this is from Easter, uh, this last year, or this year. Um, this is what Justin Bieber tweeted, or sent out through Instagram uh, to his followers. He says this, Jesus has changed my life. Easter is not about a bunny. It's a reminder that Jesus, my Jesus, died on the cross for my sins and then rose from the dead, defeating death. I believe this happened and it changes everything. I am set free from bondage and shame. I am a child of the Most High God and he loves me exactly where I am, how I am, for who I am. Now, I'm not saying that Justin Bieber has it all figured out, okay? Don't go home and be like, be like oh, Justin Bieber, he's exactly, he's like, it's like Jesus and Justin Bieber. No, I, like, Justin Bieber is still on this journey to try and figure out what it means to walk with Jesus, and he's growing just like you and I are, but he's embracing this truth that he's a new person, and because he's living out this new purpose in his life, guys, God is using Justin Bieber to preach the gospel to his 103 million followers. He posted this to 103 million people. God is using Justin in a changed life. He's given him a new purpose. He didn't take him out of the Hollywood. Or he didn't take him out of the music scene or anything like that. He just refocused his purpose. Now, some of you, okay, like here's the deal, right? Uh, uh, Ephesians 2.10. Ephesians 2.10 says this, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things that he has planned for us long ago. You and I and Bieber were created to fulfill God's purpose in our life. We were created by God anew to do what he had planned for us long ago. Now you might be sitting here going, I don't have as many followers as Justin Bieber on Instagram. And some of you are sitting here going, what's Instagram? I don't even know. But I want you to hear this today is that you have more influence than you possibly know. You have influence on people in your life. You have influence on people every single day. So as we begin this new year, what new purpose and mission does God have for you in your life? Maybe it's to start being regularly involved here at church. Maybe it's to join a small group or sign up for a mission trip. Maybe it's to start reading the Bible or even memorizing scripture. Or it could just be that there are some people in your sphere of influence that God wants you to pray for, minister to, share the gospel with, or invite to church here. What is the purpose? What is the thing that God is calling you to? Maybe he wants you to be a part of something bigger than yourself. If you're already a follower of Jesus, remember who you are. Remember who you are. That you are created new in Christ Jesus to do the good works that he has planned for you long ago. You are made new. And if you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus, we're glad you're here. And if you're sitting here and you're going, man, I want to be made new. I want that. The Bible says that if you confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God rose him from the dead, you will be saved. And so you right here, right now, you can be made new. And you can be given new perspective and a new purpose in life. And it just simply starts by saying, God, I want you to make me new. I'm sorry for what I have done. Make me new. I'm yours. And God will say, deal. And so the challenge for each of us today 
The challenge is to live like the new person that God created you to be. What would it look like if we all began to live and respond to God in this way? If we lived out the purpose that he's called us for as new people with new perspectives and new purpose, that we are a new person created to do what God has called for us. And if you are sitting here and you made a first-time decision, if you're sitting here like, I want to be made new, we, we want to give you a resource. And so if you're sitting, sitting here and you're like, yes, I want that. I want, to, I want to be a follower of Jesus. I want to be made new by Jesus. We want to give you resources to help you grow in that relationship so we can be a church that comes alongside you and says, good job, we're with you. Keep going. We want to walk alongside you. And so if you could text, uh, yes, Jesus, to 555-888. We would love to get you resources, get you connected, give you opportunities to get involved in a small group. And again, if it, it, let's live the new life that God has created us to live. Let's be a church that goes out, that loves people, that lives to proclaim Jesus' name because we have been made new. And so we are called to go out and say, hey, come to Jesus. He can make us new. Let's pray. God, God, we just ask that you would continue to work in our lives as we get ready for this new year, as we move into this new year, God, that you would create in us, you would remind us that we are made new in you, and if we are just now newly made in you, God, we give you all the credit and help us to walk alongside those that are walking in relationship with you and those that maybe aren't quite ready, God, that we would continue to encourage them to go to you because it's worth it. God, I pray that as we go out, that we would live and we would shine the light of you so that you may be glorified. God, we pray these things in your name. Amen. Hey, if you need prayer or you want to just talk to somebody, I encourage you to come up to the front. There'll be some people down here. Uh, but I hope you guys have a blessed new year. We'll see you next year. Hey, I can say that. <laughs>